This is Marketing Heroes Unfiltered, the journey to CMO, the podcast where we interview high achieving B2B marketing professionals to know their stories, struggles, and insights in this fast paced and competitive industry. Hosted by Leslie Carruthers and Danny Muscaplatt. As Vice President of Marketing, Cliff Craig is responsible for overseeing the growth and development of JS Held's digital marketing, content marketing, and event marketing teams. He also oversees the firm's strategic marketing partners in the development and execution of global marketing strategy and is a core member of the M&A integration team with experience in more than 40 integrations. In his time with JS Held, he has helped build out the marketing department from an original two team members to more than 25, led project teams focused on selection and development of an enterprise marketing tech stack, served on a cross-functional leadership group to shape the firm's corporate strategic initiatives, and was selected for JS Held's first Leadership Excellence and Development for Risers cohort. Prior to joining JS Held, Cliff served in key roles at a digital marketing agency, small business incubator, and engineering firm. Throughout the years, Cliff volunteers, mentoring young professionals aspiring to become fellow marketers. His passion for continued self-education and serving others are characteristics he hopes to instill in future leaders. Cliff is a graduate of the University of South Florida, where he received a BFA in video and digital arts. This is a podcast about heroes. That's why you're here. Thank you for joining us today, Cliff Craig. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, wonderful. So tell us, how do you start your day? Well, typically it's all systems go right from the beginning of the day. I have three children at home. So one of the three is typically either up or getting up, no matter what time of the day it is that we're springing out of bed. But also working for a global company, you know, the markets and just the different time zones, everything's going full speed, right? We may be not even into our official business clothes yet, but that doesn't mean that certain inquiries or urgent needs aren't coming up through all parts of the day. So one of the things that keeps it all fresh, but beginning of the day is typically finding out what the day has brought while I was asleep and then quickly trying to get into the things that I want to tackle for the day. I love that you say want to tackle and you're not prioritizing it by company need. You're like, what do I want to deal with? That's great. Yeah, I mean, it, there would be no end to the amount of things that could be done, but ultimately what's going to be most impactful, what's going to deliver the most value, what's going to have the broadest impact across not only the organization, but then in personal life too with the family, you know, what's most important for today. There's only so many hours in a day and that's probably the biggest challenge that I I face each day. And from the time I get up until I go to bed, try to make the most of every minute. Love that. What's most important for today? That's a great, great quote. Love that. So as you think about the things in your career that made you who you are, the guy that wakes up in the morning, tries to figure out what's important today, what has happened in your life to propel you forward and bring you to where you are? Yeah, so I would say it all stems from a passion for storytelling. I don't know that marketing per se was, it's what I do now. I don't think I ever really viewed that as the path or the destination. 
fact, for the longest time, I was going to be a professional sports athlete uh, and a few different sports. I may even see jerseys behind me that, that show a time where, you know, that was my biggest focus and pride and joy. But going through that, I got exposed to storytelling through journalism and uh, specifically video journalism and documentaries and I started to find a real passion for putting stories together, finding out not only, you know, how to build um, excitement and interest, but how to intertwine uh, what's natural, what's authentic into it. And that just kind of led one thing to another. And, and that passion for video led to using video in business. And then that led to broader digital. And then that's led to ultimately overseeing a lot of things within the broader marketing department. It's all compounded. But what really propelled it and still is very true for me today is that passion for storytelling. I was also very fortunate to have some early success. I've had great mentors along the way and you know, worked really hard and was fortunate enough to have some early success that opened up some doors that were very important, that have really propelled where things have gone for me and you know it doesn't happen if along the way some key people don't take a chance and you know for me in my journey i'm incredibly thankful there were times where the belief in the view of me was much more than maybe even what i was at the moment and that never got in the way and i i really try to look at that when i'm evaluating talent and folks on on my team as well and the opportunities given to them because that was a key thing that has given me the platform, the opportunity to reach where I have thus far. And as I mentioned, you know, the, the mentors, it's a network. I'm really driven by self-learning and surrounding myself with a lot of smart people, different perspectives. I love talking. I mean, that goes back to the passion for storytelling, but hearing podcasts, reading articles, tuning into webinars, just trying to find where there's that piece of information and then always coming out of it and trying to see how to apply it two or three different ways and that's been a really good springboard to be able to take not only understand better a lot of different concepts but put them into practice so been a lot of those different things i would say thus far that's led to where things have gone that's great i appreciate that i love the acknowledgement of the people who believed in you more than you did at different points Everybody needs that. It is so critical and not everybody will get that. And that's a travesty. But I also think it's believing in yourself and people being able to see that on you or just that you're willing to show up and work. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's how you get people to give you those opportunities. Mm -hmm. I have to yeah. ask, have you been able to pay that forward or impart that to the next generation? I believe in you, even if you're not quite sure of yourself. I try. I think, you know, that's something I manage pretty good sized team and it's grown significantly in, in the time that I've been here. And I always try to look for who those uh, rising stars are. You know, you think about nine bucks, maybe performance needs to catch up to the potential, but where's the potential? And if the potential's there, the work ethic is there, uh, the performance is gonna come. I really believe in that. And so find who those people are and then pour everything into them. and. You know, as far as for others, I try to make myself available and I don't think there's anything proprietary about what I know or do that I wouldn't share with somebody else. Now, if it comes down to how I'm applying certain things in our business context, yes, you can have a hard time getting that out of me. But as far as what there is to know about marketing, what works well, what are different things in a career that 
open up some doors for you all of that. I, you know, try to be pretty active, went to USF. I'm still based in Tampa, Florida, try to uh, tune back in to the college and share as much as I have that people are willing to hear, find a value and always leave that door open and try to have a couple of mentors across each semester too, to connect with offline just as much for my own benefit and just the excitement that comes from remembering when you had the whole marketing world in front of you and didn't really know where you were going versus what you're kind of turning it into when you're in a leadership position and you know you start to just get used to applying your same ideas every day and how certain things work and that fresh perspective i'm very invigorated by that every time i connect with those folks and i'm inspired by their passion I got to ask then, what is it when you're going back to UF, USF that you're imparting to those young people? And specifically, I'd like to know, what is it that you can remember that you did or had or got access to or got by accident, whatever it was at that point or that you share with junior people on your teams that helped you get where you are now? I mean, the spot where I always start is marketing is a really big industry. There are a lot of different roles. Find what you're passionate about and just understand that you can go so many different ways. You can go the analytical way and live more in the data every day. You can be more of a storyteller and a a writer or a producer in some form or fashion. There's the strategist aspect. I think everybody right out of school would love to become a senior strategist and just put that together. And not to say that it's not impossible, but it's not how that really works. You're going to have to find your lane to pick up a lot of the other pieces along the way and, and work towards that. And that's what I have a lot of conversations with folks about is where do you want to go, right? Because you got to know that first and then know what do you need to be working on? Where are some of the areas you need to be learning? Do you want to be a specialist or do you want to be a generalist? And there's a difference, smaller business versus a larger business. You work into a larger business, things can get so refined to a point where you just press a button. You work in a smaller business, you do everything from fix the copier to execute the email marketing campaigns to handle SEO strategy to the whole nine yards, right? And, you know, and there's a lot in between. So where do your passions lie? And You know, if you do want to move up into a more specialized area, what does that look like? And what are some of those natural opportunities for ascension? And taking pride in the journey along the way, let's say you start off in an analytics role and you're putting together a lot of reports, you're finding out what the data can tell you. Knowing what the data is telling you and knowing how to apply that, if a strategist is what you aspire to be, it's going to make you a really good one later. You're going to be able to do things because of that time. So, It's not that it's a stepping stone or I've got to cut my teeth and put my work in or earn my stripe. Look at all of it as the building block for ultimately how you're going to inform and and learn what works. And everybody has a different approach as well. Um, Marketing, there's a whole lot of, of art to it. There's definitely science, but there's a lot of art. And that's the other thing that that I really myself try to to speak to people about is what is your style what's your tone what's your voice every company out there is trying to find theirs so what's yours and then align with companies who are also like you if you're more playful and and kind of spontaneous there are companies that that do that and it works really well for them and then there's more uh, corporate more you know polished cut and dry higher 
higher brow, if you will. It's a totally different approach. And so it's not just what type of roles, but what type of tone, voice, and approach do you want to take and trying to marry all of those things up and just find good mentors along the way. Don't be bashful to ask. There's a lot of people who won't mind helping you out, but you have to ask. They're not going to go out of their way to put time on their calendars. I mean, time is going to be really hard for them already, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that they won't find it for you Mm -hmm. if they believe in you and are passionate about it. And surround yourself with a couple of really good ones that you can call and turn to when your boss comes to you the first time and wants you to put together an end-to-end you know, lead generation funnel and you don't know how to do that. You need somebody to call and chat with for a couple of hours to kind of point you in the right direction and, and guide you there. Mm, that's fantastic. I want to ask that question once more in a little different way. But first, you're reminding me of uh, Richard McLaughlin, who was on the podcast from Work Human, and he mentioned he looks at his career as a pyramid, and the first base level are you know base skills, and then he decides where he wants to pick something up and put it in the mid, where he gets a, a bit deeper, and then what's at the very top, what's his highest value, and he's always reevaluating that pyramid. What it what needs to get added to the base? What needs to get moved up to the middle? And what's his key value? Just want to reference that because I thought that was a great visual and it, it's spot on. The question I wanted to ask you though, Cliff, is what advice would you give to Cliff Craig 15, 20 years ago, saying knowing now that you're going to be VP marketing at a global organization and have this level of responsibility? What would have you said to you? It's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of long nights. There's going to be a lot of sacrifice. There's going to be a lot of times where you don't know the answer and you're going to have to search and work harder than you think you're already working and challenge your own ideas, be willing to be wrong, be brave and know that you probably aren't going to see the results yourself in the short term. But over time, you'll start to see where it's really starting to move the needle. And don't forget to enjoy it. Don't get so caught up in the hustle and the grind every day that uh, you don't take the time out to enjoy it. Mm, That's incredible. Fantastic. Love that. That's incredible. Okay. Um, What are some crises that you faced in your career? How did you deal with them? Fast-paced environments has been a really big one. For me, uh, where plans and priorities are quickly changing, you have to really learn how to balance the priority of what is being asked and what is most impactful. We look at that, and many of you, if you're not familiar, I'd, I'd recommend checking it out, but it's the effort impact matrix going from thankless tasks all the way up to high impact, high value for the organization. and. And there's a difference. Not all requests or not all tasks are created equal. And when things are moving really quickly, you can quickly find yourself just checking things off. And a few days, a few weeks may go by and the key initiatives maybe aren't getting the amount of attention that they need because taking care of the day-to-day has dominated 
more of the space. That percentage of the strategic focus versus the operational support, that's the two ways that I look at it. What percentage of my time is going strategically towards proactive efforts or trying to move things forward that otherwise nobody else is maybe raising, right? Because that's not uh, the hot topic of the day. Then there's the operational support, which is the I need this right now for whatever. And each of them are important. Each of them need equal amount of attention and each of them uh, in a moment's notice can become what is most impactful and, and highest priority. However, it's a blend. It cannot be too lopsided one way or another. And that's a challenge that I face is making sure to keep those proportional the way that I need to and with my team as well. The rapid shifts in the marketing landscape, I'd say, is another. Um, I think everybody who works in marketing is very attuned to just how fast things change. I mean, this podcast is being recorded at a time where Meta just announced the new platform for threads that could potentially become a huge rival to Twitter. You know, a year from now, maybe threads is the new online town square and Twitter, not so much anymore. In marketing, that's a huge shift, especially if Twitter is a key part of what your outbound strategy is today. So yeah. It's trying to navigate where things are going, but also not react. And that's another thing that can be very tough to balance because it is an industry that's changing so much. And never having enough time in the day is the other. Even when you're burning the candle at both ends, there will never be enough time in the day. And that is something that I still uh, think is one of my biggest challenges is trying to get to it all. And knowing that you know a sustainable approach is always the best approach but also that there is limited time in the day and i think if that is something that you're being honest with yourself or at least if i'm being honest with myself about it helps balance the other two things i've mentioned as well as any other challenges that i'll come into tact with because it's going to make sure i'm staying proportional with my time it's going to challenge me on whether we really need that meeting or if that can be handled through an email or a quick teams conversation and if this new platform or conversation or, or trending any number of the trends really if that's what we need to be spending our time on today or if there are other things that are going to be again higher impact higher value to the organization right now nice and specifically about in the, since we're in the space of crises can you highlight a challenge that you've had to navigate recently this is a tricky question because in my role, a lot of what I do is I, I'm interfacing with executive leadership in the company, senior leadership. And, you know, at the end of the day, it goes back to, you know, impact value. What do we need to do? And, and that's tough. You don't ever want somebody to feel like they're not supported or maybe not as important. And that's never, never the intent. But at the same time, you can't do everything. And as an individual, executing the work in charge of leading the group, delivering on a lot of the work, you can't get what you always want either. And I'll stop there before you guys have to write a, a royalties check to the stones. But what I mean is that it's an ideal state and a current state, they might be a long way apart, maybe even further apart than we're honest with ourselves about. Again, ideal state versus current state. And that's a tough pill to swallow. And it's a frequent challenge for me. Uh, the example that I would give is balancing a desire to have a more robust, a more ideal 
marketing technology stack, high performing marketing automation platform, all the fixings, the way that everything is flowing in between. That's the ideal state. The current state of where we're actually at though, and that there's a difference, not only in terms of the resources to get to that ideal state from a human capital standpoint, but also financially. And is that ROI going to be there? Are we ready as an organization? Are we ready as a marketing team? Do we really need the Rolls Royce right now? Or is the mid-level vehicle still doing the trick and, and taking care of what we need? It's a project that has full business support. Uh, it's ready to move forward and then analyzing all that we need to be on track, key dependencies. When I look at all of those things, it's tough every day going back and forth. I've had many conversations with, with my boss, our chief marketing officer, and other senior leaders in the organization about what the enterprise project plans look like. But I think that's one, especially when you have a larger responsibility to not for me, not just the marketing department, but the overall organization, what's in the best interest of the company. And, and maybe that's saying um, something like a marketing technology stack. Uh, maybe it's not ready right now. Maybe we need to hold off just a little bit longer, have this other project that's going to deliver more impact. It's going to be able to be deployed faster. It's going to come with less financial investment. Maybe we should slide behind that even if we were in line first per se, and nobody's telling us we need to move. But when we're standing there with our buggy full of groceries and the person behind us is holding two, we say, yeah, maybe I should let them go ahead of me. And, and that is one where I, um, I think it's really tough because again, what you want and what may be what's most needed or most impactful, uh, they might be different. And that current state and the ideal state may be further apart than you think, but the current state may also be a more realistic ideal state for where you are today. And the ideal state may be further down the line than you're telling yourself to. It's great. I love the analogy, grocery cart analogy. It's a good one. Good visual. Mm -hmm. So what keeps you up at night? Well, beyond those, those things, I have an almost two-year-old who is very effective at <laughs> keeping me up at night, still struggling to get her to sleep fully through the night. But no, I mean, in all seriousness to the question, for me, a lot of it is people, making sure that those who I'm responsible for, that they're happy, that they feel inspired, that they feel valued, heard, that they're developing, that they're not feeling stagnant, that they're continuing to learn and grow every day. It's staying on top of shifts in the industry and not becoming stagnant myself, not getting what I would say too complacent. I think that's one of my biggest fears is just getting comfortable with perspectives or ideas or certain strategies that may be working today because certain algorithm changes, shifts in attention on platforms, all of that can very quickly shift in the effectiveness of a strategy. So not getting complacent with the today. The reality that one day what was working today might not be working the next day and having something that's constantly brewing in the background to take that place. We have certain strategies that produce you know, a large amount of the results. I think you, you always look at an 80-20 rule, you know, 80% of the impact, right? And for me, you know, that 
I don't want those percentages to ever change, but the reality is they will. And what's going to take the place of producing the results that we're seeing right now that's working well for us and, you know, never knowing when that's going to come or what that may look like, but making sure you're prepared uh, and the preparation, you know, I think is the way that I, I answer it, but it certainly is something that at the end of the day leaves me thinking, even if I'm getting a moment on the couch, just sitting there, vegging out, watching a TV show, it's, it's thinking about all of those other things that maybe we're not doing today that we need to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Got it. Yeah. All right, Cliff, we know from talking with clients in the large enterprise enterprise space, global executives like yourself, no one's immune to imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what height you get to in your career, like it's, there's also a moment on the flip side of that where it occurs for you, like, hey, I've arrived. I'm a marketing exec with something to say. When did that happen for you? It's a really interesting question because I don't know that I, I feel that way. And I hope I never do. To me, I equate it back to complacency. That sense mm-hmm. of I've I've arrived, I, I think, is really the point in which of becoming a little too comfortable with where things have gotten or what's going well. And I would always prefer to be the one who's still ascending, hasn't arrived. I've not hit my peak yet. There's always still something. There's an area where I can improve or grow. And as long as that is the focus, I don't know that I'll ever have fully reached my destination. And I try to take that, you know, each day as much as this industry and the businesses we apply our talents to change, we'll never have all the answers. Not even Gary Vee is going to have all the answers. Uh, he may tell you he does. I, I know he will, but not everybody will. <laughs> I was going to say that. You will, yeah, we're will all not calling our it. best shots <laughs> with the information that we have available today, the experience yep. under our belts thus far, and we're going to be wrong, just like the junior people on our teams are going to be wrong or those who are early in their careers getting started uh, maybe without even a day's worth of experience are going to be wrong nobody is immune to that we all need to keep improving i think that it's just a mentality that's worked really well for me which is there's always something to learn you're only ever as good as your last project and there's always somebody out there better than you mm-hmm. we're slow by for sure is there anything outside of these questions that you know we like to give people a chance to to share? Like, you know, Cliff, do you have a burning platform? Is there something that really matters to you that you'd like the chance to speak about for a moment before we move into the speed round? Yeah, so I, I would say that there's two things. The first of which has been a really unique perspective that I've gained, you know, in, in my time with JSL, which is a company I worked at I work at now. You know, having been here, I I'm part of our MA. Uh, team. And in that time, over 40 integrations. And I think it's pretty unique because uh, it's not something I hear talked about much in colleges or that I even hear a lot of people earlier in their career. Um, Even a lot of my colleagues don't necessarily have that M&A experience. I mean, it's a certain type of company um, in certain industries where it's, it's really applicable, but I've had the opportunity to be a part of it. And for that to be a part of what our marketing department is not only navigating operationally, but strategically, uh, how we're guiding the business and moving things forward. Um, it's a lot of fun. M&A is a whole lot of fun. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of challenges to figure out. Um, there are no two that are the same. 
I think that marketing plays a huge role in that and uh, making sure that whether it's, you know, the second one or the 40th one, that the communication assets stay uh, fresh, that they're always speaking to the value proposition on each side. Um, and just the role even outside of just marketing these two businesses, right? I mean, the goal there is one plus one equals, you know, three or more. Um, that's why you bring two businesses together. Uh, and there's a lot of low hanging fruit to tackle on that that can't be overlooked. And we could go a lot further into, you know, all the nuances there, but also the role in just culture. Um, and this is not unique to M&A anymore, but just broader that marketing day to day and a lot of our communications, unique selling proposition is a key thing that we're looking at. Uh, and culture is something that a lot of us will point to, at least I hope. That's what a lot of us are pointing to is that the culture of the organization is a key thing that differentiates from the competition, the quality of the talent, the way people collaborate, the passion uh, that everybody brings to the project, client first type of mentality that's inspired because the employees are happy and taking care of all of those things. Um, we talk about it as marketers a lot, whether it's putting together websites or collateral or pushing it out through external channels or maybe even partnering with our HR teams wearing a little bit of the hat in recruitment in some cases. Um, but it's also important that we carry it within the company and embody it and show it and don't just put it in the communication assets. Don't just, you know, create really nice icons and visuals around them. Um, but actually embody them and, and carry it out each day. And I think because marketing is so close to that message and what those core values really are, uh, that we have an added responsibility to live them out and um, to make sure that we exemplify them every day. And not only just, again, an integration, but broader across uh, all of our day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Thank Got you. Got it. And, and Leslie, I guess, you know, before we wrap up, the last thing that I would say is we've talked a lot about change today and whether it's industry changes or technology or all these different things. And there is a lot of change and change is always going to be constant. But there are also a lot of things at the foundation of what we do as marketers. And for me, the three that I've always been able to point back to is, is North Star strategically is right message to the right audience at the right time. That's channel agnostic. That is not paying attention to the latest trend of whether it's 10 seconds, 60 seconds, longer format, video, podcast, audio, you name it. What's the right message? Who uh, are the right people to hear that message? And, you know, as far as what time, it's, it's really where and how, when we're reaching them. Could have the best proposition in the world and I can be delivering it to the right person, but if it's not when they want to hear it or where they want to hear it, doesn't matter, right? And those three things are really tough to hone in on, but when you do, there's a lot of good that will come from it. And I don't believe it's the channel that makes it. I don't believe it's just the copy that makes it or just the targeting. I think it's it's a combination of all. And striking that perfect mixture of right message to the right audience at the right time. Mm -hmm. That's great. Got it. Love it. So Cliff, can we spring a speed round on you just for a few minutes? Sure. 
Great. If your career is a movie cliff, who plays you? It might be really cliche. I don't know. I might catch some heat from this. But Matthew McConaughey, I think. Nice. Very raw, very real. Yeah. A lot of emotion, a lot of passion. There you go. Also a good guy. Um, if you haven't heard his Joe Rogan podcast, I'd highly recommend that. I think it gives a really good peek into him. Mm-hmm. And that would be probably, I, I like him as the person. So awesome. that would probably be why I would cast him. And I mean, if you've seen the Lincoln commercials or anything else, he's just... It's always to the 10th degree with him, 100%. (laughs) Nice. Uh, First job, worst job? First job was putting videos. Well, I mean, there were summer jobs back in high school of like painting and moving stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think my mom's company paid me to do several different things where they were really just helping me out a little bit and trying to find busy work. But I'd say the first job I got on my own was uh, putting together a, I guess, promotional video. I don't know. I wasn't very good at it, but a video of a real estate property. And it was a, a horse farm, multi-million dollar horse farm. I don't even know how I got the work. That was probably the first real job that I landed was I put a couple of those together. Mm-hmm. It didn't last long. And worst job, there was a summer where to fill work, you know, working for the company I was at the time, a little bit of a lull and, you know, needed needed some money. Uh, this is back towards college to pay. I had certain, certain bills and responsibilities mm-hmm. I had to cover. So there was a, a crew that did some uh, home like renovation type work and they were totally good with me just calling them up one morning and saying, hey, don't really have much going on today. Can I jump on with you guys? And they were always happy to have me. Now, there was a day where I was stuck in a tiny little bathroom in a house with no AC in Florida, middle of summer. And I was on a machine called a bulldog, which for those of you who aren't familiar, it's an electronic like jackhammer, but it's, you know, you're on your hands and knees using it to bust up tile. Mm. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I remember the tile kept chipping up and cutting my face and it was at that moment where i was like like college things gotta work out for me because i don't know if i'm cut out for this and um it was nice i mean it was definitely a major mental break but i just physically that was so brutal just be getting beat up for hours on that thing you'd come off it and your hands would still be shaking but uh that that one was pretty tough got it what's your favorite kpi engagement percentage. I mean, there's, of course, there's leads, but marketing shop isn't just to produce leads. You know, leads will show the opportunities. The reason I like engagement percentage is it shows how you're keeping people tied into the business over time. Maybe they're not at a point where they're ready to become a lead or in certain businesses like like ours today, uh, you do a lot of repeat business and you're keeping those people engaged so that you are top of mind the next time the opportunity comes back around. I live by it. I pay attention to it. There's probably 30 something times a day. I look at engagement percentages mm-hmm. across our different mm-hmm. efforts and I really fixate on, on what it's doing and why. So I'd, I'd have to point to that. Who's the most fascinating contact on your phone? Oh man, most fascinating contact. You know what? I actually think I'm going to give this one to our nine-year-old. Uh, he'll soon be 10 in August. Uh, he wants to be a director 
and an actor. Ultimately, he wants to act in his own movies. He's an incredibly passionate storyteller. He's written probably 20 plus comics uh, from Captain Crazy to Mr. Pencil. You know, they go on and on. He is so imaginative and creative and fun loving. Just the coolest, one of the coolest kids, but one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. That's awesome. I, I would go with him because if you had five minutes, you would leave with a smile and probably some really great story mm. that he's told you. So who wouldn't love that? So, awesome. Love that. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten, Cliff? I don't know. I don't do well with compliments. I, I The best compliment I, is I, no compliment? Not that they're not there, but just that I think, it. you know, not maybe it's a own worst critic type of a thing, but I don't think any of them really... I've stuck. I mean, there's work ethic is probably one of the ones I value most. Mm-hmm. Kind, you know, considerate. I think a lot of those things matter to me as a person a lot. And certainly hearing them <laughs> is important because I want people to feel that way. Yeah. So I, I maybe point to those, but I don't know if there's a specific compliment that I've ever received that comes straight to mind. Okay. Hey, can you describe yourself in five words? Well, as a marketer, I mean, we, we, all write a lot, right? And then we narrow back down. I would say passionate, dedicated, storyteller. We'll count it as one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Empathetic and thankful. Mm. Great. Well, thank you so much. I know that we went over. We really appreciate that as well. It's been, it's been great chatting with you. It was awesome meeting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for staying tuned. If you're enjoying these conversations, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It really helps us to increase the podcast reach. Thank you. See you next week with more inspiring stories. This episode of Marketing Heroes is brought to you by The Search Guru, produced by Circle Audio and podcast cover art by Andre Lazorg.